0: Hello, Chris here with another installment of the Make It podcast. And before we get to today's guest, I want to encourage everyone to go to our website at www.bonsai.film, that's B-O-N-S-A-I dot F-I-L-M, and click on the resources link. There you will be able to join our creative community and be given access to an ever-growing slew of film-related resources and tools at your disposal, all at zero cost to your wallet. Again, go to www.bonsaifilm to enjoy and leverage our ever-growing resource library amongst many other things, like, for example, all of our past podcast podcasts episodes. If you visit us, our promise is to always bring you value and never waste your time with spammy filler. And uh, if you do it, we'll owe you one. I think you'll really benefit from it. So now on to today's guest. On the show today, we have a screenwriter, Amanda Bermudez. Amanda J. Bermudez is an award-winning writer and filmmaker, Her past works include The Face of the Earth, which won the Diverse Voices Award earlier this year, Hunt, which was an HBMG Foundation selection in 2017, and an adaptation of W.H. Auden's The Sea and the Mirror, which she did for the Yale Center for British Art in 2013, where she was also a guest artist and lecturer. Her work has been featured at the International Festival of Arts and Ideas and the National Winter Playwrights Retreat. A little background on Amanda now. Growing up, Amanda moved throughout the United States, which led her to explore underrepresented narratives in a variety of media. Upon completing high school at the young age of 16 and graduating first in her class, She moved to Moscow, Russia, where she worked as a volunteer with Afghan refugees and as a music translator. She received her bachelor's degree between Chicago and Sydney, Australia, in philosophy of the arts, and went on to pursue art and film studies at the postgraduate level at Yale University. In addition to writing and public arts organization, Amanda is also a former boxer and an emergency medical technician, and her work gravitates toward contemporary explorations of power, the architecture of language, and the dynamics of privilege. She is a National Merit Scholar, recipient of the Jameson Prize, a Writer's Digest National Award winner, nominee for the Spotlight Culture and Heritage Award, winner of the 2017 Cinequest Film Festival Writing Competition and was named one of the Top 100 Emerging Screenwriters in 2017. Her first solo-written feature film, Blood, Sweat, and Lies, premiered earlier this year. So, without any further wait, I give you a woman with a vocabulary that rivals Howard Zinn but won't make you feel bad because you use the words quite and vary interchangeably. Please enjoy this conversation with writer Amanda Bermudez. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Banzai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights the professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley.
1: Hi, this is Amanda Bermudez. I'm a writer and filmmaker. Uh, my first feature was released uh, earlier this year. I'm currently into my second and getting ready to direct my first um, short film. So uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Chris.
0: Oh, the pleasure's all mine, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much uh, for doing this. And um, I'm just—it's so fun to to get back with you because I think we first met maybe two years ago. Is that right?
1: Yeah, uh, we met at um, CineQuest. I had just had a pilot that won the um, uh, their screenwriting competition there at CineQuest um, up north here in California, and uh, yeah, I think that's where we first connected.
0: Yeah, and I was so impressed with you there, and uh, you, were, you were actually very kind with your time then. We were at this really cool place. I loved sort of that back patio. I probably could live on that back patio and be perfectly fine.
1: Oh my goodness. That loud, that VIP lounge experience at CineQuest, everyone just go to CineQuest and like buy the VIP pass, do whatever you have to do. It is a hundred percent worth it. Yes,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was digging it and, uh, it was a good vibe and, um, it's just been cool, sort of like quietly following you over the last couple of years and just kind of watching you do your thing and and just crush it in, in a way that only you can crush. Um, Oh, thanks. (laughs) That's awesome. And you're down in LA now, right?
1: Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Back in LA, LA for the most part. Um, Yes. And you're in New York right now.
0: You're in New York?
1: No, you're in New York right now, right?
0: Mm -mm. I'm, I'm everywhere, baby. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all over the world. Uh, no, I'm, I'm here at my studio where we record this. That is true. Um, and we record this, uh, in right outside of beautiful Nashville,
1: Tennessee. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. that's so awesome. Nashville is such an awesome place.
0: It is. It's, it's growing fast. And, um, I just did a little photo work earlier today and, and was reminded of how, uh, beautiful it is. And, um, I have a lot of gratitude because there's a lot of people here that give me access and, and, and let me sort of do my thing creatively. And, um, with, and it's, and it's pretty cool. I'll just say that it's awesome just to be able to go and have friends and, and people who know who you are and will let you get into places, take pictures of things. And one of those Mm. places today was a, a really cool art gallery that, um, uh, people don't even know it's an art gallery. You kind of have to just kind of go in there and see it. And it's, there was an artist in there working on something that is, I can't even really describe it. It looks like the that arteries of a heart, except it's each artery is, it's sort of hanging from the ceiling and, and, uh, it's made of, um, sort of ink stained red paint, and ink stained sheets, and drapes and baby dolls and uh, lamps and like just random things found around someone's house or, or in a child's room. So, oh my goodness. Was, yes, it was, please. It's pretty bananas. I'll, I'll text you a picture of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Could you please? That would be great.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of bananas. Um, So that was, that was fun. And so I'm, I'm happy to be here, but um, also happy to be in LA soon and, and, and get with you and um, you know, yeah. I'm excited to see
1: you in person soon. Yes, yeah. but no. With um, with with killer art and uh, a good music and food scene, what more could you want from Nashville? You're happy where you are. Yeah,
0: it, <laughs> it's it's very true. And um, I always tell people it's not much different than L.A. You could come here and it would feel very familiar, except the people are much nicer. Um,
1: yeah, that's probably that's probably the case.
0: Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, well, okay are people less fake or whatever? And there's, you know, LA has that reputation, but, uh, I actually Mm. think, yeah, they are. They're just as fake as they are (laughs) in LA. It's just, I mean, the truth
1: is, yeah, no, people are terrible everywhere for sure. But, you know, I mean, there's also, yeah, there are obviously gems to be found no matter where you go. But, um, no, I mean, I was just in like a super small town, like rural, like middle of nowhere, and, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, you're going to be wonderful and terrible people no matter where you go. I mean, the paradigm of the city obviously causes that to manifest a little bit differently, but, um, but yeah, I think you're right about that.
0: Yeah. And, and the interesting thing though, about the South and, and Nashville as well, is that, um, it, it's how it's, it's really done with, with a, with a spoon of honey. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's the difference between, Nashville and say New York, uh, and certainly Nashville and in LA. Um, yes. uh, it, it's, it's actually pretty clicky, but you wouldn't know it until you're outside the click and then you kind of feel it and no one's going to ever be mean to you here. Uh, you're just going to not be part of something. And then that's when you realize, um, have you been watching sharp, sharp objects?
1: I haven't gotten started on it yet. It's, it's the next, it's the next to the HBO queue for sure. Is that set in Tennessee? Where's that set?
0: No, it's not set in Tennessee, but it's kind of set in, in Southern, I think Southern Missouri and mm-hmm. uh, which it, it's, but it they nail Southern culture. Um, I think that's where it is. It's either Missouri or Georgia, but I'm pretty sure it's Missouri. I'll have to fact check. It's not unusual for me to be wrong, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the mother, um, like the town and the, like that is small town in the South. They nailed that. And so kudos to the writer, kudos, kudos to the art direction, um, the way it was shot, um, kudos to the performers and the performances that, that sort of slow burn when someone's doing something bad to you, the the way it feels in the South is so different. And if you, you, you'll get it. If you watch one episode, I have some friends, that that don't like it cause it's too slow. But, um, if you like that character development, you'll like the whole thing. And they absolutely drop a atom bomb on you in the last five minutes of the, of the, of season one.
1: So. Ooh, well, don't ruin anything, but I'm super excited about it. I was just reading, um, an interview with Amy Adams about that project and, um, sort of her, her physical experience of that role and, um, you know, sort of how she was living in her body differently. And I, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty stoked to, to check it out. I can only imagine.
0: And, and that's the only thing I'll give away about Amy Adams and what she had to do physically in this, in this role. It's, she should win an award. She should. And she, will, she should, uh, the, the, the lady, um, I cannot believe I'm forgetting her name. Uh, oh yeah. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Um,
1: uh, Are you going to edit th- out this long pause where you can't come in with, come up with it and then just like drop in the name later. So no one knows that you didn't know.
0: No. See, I like to be authentic. You know, the, the kids, <laughs> the kids like authenticity to they these days. They, they That's would rather true. me be, they'd rather me just step in and <laughs> shit. than then pretend the shit was never there. Uh, That's
1: true. <laughs> so, you, uh, but, you have a good read on the market. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Her, her name is Patricia Clarkson, by the way, just, it just jumped oh, okay. into my mind. So um, awesome. she's, awesome. she, she should also win an award. Um, but, but yes, more about you. I, you know, one thing that I, I don't know about, and, and I'm really curious about is, is where did this all start for you? Um, was there a moment in your life where you're coming up and mom or dad, buys you a camera or, uh, or someone in your family suggests you go to an acting class and you fall in love with it. Uh, did you perform for, for people as a young, you know, when, when you were young, did you write plays? How did this all start for you?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, well, I, I've been writing since, um, basically I, I, for as long as I can remember, um, I remember we had like this, this ancient, like, you know, like the first computer, essentially just this ancient, like brick of a PC that, um, I just, <laughs> I was in love. I was like, I can't believe this. And, um, uh, we moved a lot when I was a kid, but like the first thing that always would always be exposed and available to be used would be that computer. And, um, I mm. could, I could hop on it and, you know, write I, I, I would write these little stories about like you know, first like my stuffed animals and then, you know, evolved into some other territory once I became older than, I don't know, five or six or whatever. But, um, I, uh, before that I was, I was on this weird, like word processor. I remember spending a summer at my grandparents house where there was an old typewriter and I was, um, I would, I would go at it on a typewriter. Um, I was, I was at my, uh, my mom's house, um, in Nebraska recently and unearthed some, some very very ancient artifacts, like uh, a handwritten story called Karate Princess. I mean, I was like writing from like old <laughs> the olden days, and um, yeah, it sounds and then, like and the name of a, of a short
0: that <laughs> our first guest ever on this podcast, Chris Winty, would write.
1: Karate oh Princess. yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I, I might have to get in touch with him and see if he uh, wants to collab on that. Yes, yeah, he's I, a great uh, guy. <laughs> I I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely float some of these some of these uh, old, old pieces of paper I found past my uh, past my reps and see see what lands. Like, hey, I really I really think we have to do this uh, this story about a puppy getting lost in the outback, and we'll see we'll see what happens. So, so, uh, anyways, so this was, yep. this
0: was in Nebraska. so so how many different places have you lived?
1: That's such a good question, too. Um I lived in Nebraska only for the first couple of years of my life, but uh, I have a lot of relatives from there. Um, we moved back to Nebraska when I was 15. Um, and then I only lived there for, um, like eight months, uh, or something. So I, I had not been in Nebraska for that much of my life, but, um, it's, it's kind of where my people are from up to a certain, uh, degree. Um, in between, I lived a lot of, uh, places like Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma. Um, and then as soon as, uh, I was able to decide where I lived, which was basically as soon as I turned 16. Uh, I lived in uh, Russia for a couple of years and then uh, popped back to Chicago. Um, did uh, just over a year in Australia while I was in college. And then, you know, um, East Coast, West Coast.
0: Were you doing uh, a study abroad at Murdoch University?
1: In I wish. Australia? No? no, I was doing... Uh, no, I was, I was at... Some, Uh, it's actually really weird, like small little art school called the Wesley Institute. I don't know if you've heard of it. It, it kind of was, um, I don't know. College was a strange time. It was something like my friend was like, I'm going to do this thing. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. I'm also going to apply for it. I didn't do much research, but it was a pretty kick-ass year. I mean, it was, um, it was really good. I mean, I considered staying for longer slash forever. Um, (laughs) Australia is, Australia is a great place. I highly recommend it. Um, if you, if you want everything good about LA and uh, a little bit less of the rush. Um, There's definitely less going on, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a good place.
0: Are you talking Sydney specifically?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I went to other places in Australia, of course, but yeah, Sydney, Sydney is great. I mean, it's, um, it's a good music scene. It's good people. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a very friendly culture. Um, But uh, yeah, less of, less of the pressures of, I would say almost any U.S.,
0: City probably, and, and I promise you, we're going to get back to your origin story. But but you said something <laughs> else in there that that really intrigued me. You, you said sixteen, not eighteen. Uh, oh what, yeah. What, what happened in your life where you were sort of able to take off on your own at sixteen?
1: Um. Well, we had a. Um, I think we just moved from Oklahoma and, you know, that was, uh, I mean, whatever high school is already like a pretty rough time, I think generally. Um, and, uh, so I was already pretty not into it. And then we were moving again to, um, to Nebraska. Um, and so the first day of high school here, I had sort of like resolved to give it a chance, um, and by the end of the day at three o'clock, I went into the counselor's office and was like, I'm, I'm graduating at the end of this year. And no one, no one had graduated early from that high school before it was a real fucking production, but, um, it ended up, it ended up happening. I had enough, you know, college credit courses under my belt and, um, they, uh, yeah, I had to like appeal to the board and like do all this, all this stuff. But, um, yeah, then I was, then I was out of there, and. Um, Thankfully, with my parents' blessing, I um, I found someone who like knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who sort of knew someone, and ended up finding a, a room that I could crash in in Moscow. And so that's where I that's where I went basically. Um, the day after I didn't walk at graduation.
0: <laughs> wow, you and I know all that experience has informed you, your stellar writing. So so going back to. To growing up, you're in Nebraska, there, you have, I'm assuming a Texas Instruments or, or some really old PC you were saying that, that you were yeah. sort of typing stories on and typewriters and, and you, mm-hmm. just, you, you were just always into it? Or, or did it become a situation where because these machines, these devices for creation were all around you, that you just started tinkering?
1: I, you know, it's interesting. Like it always felt very exploratory to me, but it was definitely something I sought out. Um, I mean, I was also putting together, like, I don't, I also, I found recently like these old programs that I was making when I was like, like five, I was like, I was like writing out like, um, basically like performance, uh, programs for like, like I would like make up a song and like do a little skit and like, dress up my infant brother as like a character slash prop in my place. Like I was like, I was putting this together, um, sure for my parents. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Like the, the photos are pretty priceless, but, um, yeah. And then I got <laughs> sappy around age six or seven and started charging like quarter admission. And, um, yeah. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I think, I think it just always really appealed to me that sort of, um, that creative dynamic. Um, and, and, you know, it's not like I had a ton of resources, but I, I was so elated by the resources that I did have, um, whether that was just kind of a, a shoebox full of prop jewelry or a, um, uh, a vintage typewriter that I could tool around on and people would leave me alone. And, um, yeah, I mean, the tools were important, but I, um, I got turned on very early, um, by what you could make from almost nothing.
0: Is there anyone in your family that has a background in in the creative arts. Um, and is there anyone that just kind of sticks out as, oh, that's the person that is the most creative person in my family that isn't named Amanda? (laughs)
1: Um, you know, there's a lot of creativity. Um, there's a lot of creativity in my family, but, um, I, I, come more than anything from a family of teachers. A lot of people in my family are educators. Um, my, my little brother is also, um, a performing artist. He lives in Chicago, but, you know, I, I live in a family of people who are sort of closet creatives frequently. Mm-hmm. Like my, my mother, for instance, um, who, uh, who passed away recently was extremely, extremely creative. She, um, she, she's actually, uh, you know, assisted me on, on multiple projects. Um, you know, as a very, very qualified dramaturg and, um, inventive writer. Um, but you know, one of those things that, I've been thinking about a lot lately is, uh, the paradigm of both geography and also, um, sort of, sort of what your milieu allows, um, and how that determines the extent to which and the ways in which people explore their creative sides. I I think that there's often a lot of wasted potential among, um, brilliantly, you know, genius creatives, um, based on, uh, based on their context. Um, so I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested in f- finding ways to overcome that and, and to, to help encourage people to overcome that because I, I do think it's possible wherever you are to, um, to create, but I, but I do think it's harder. Uh, certainly not all zip codes are created equal.
0: Right. And my condolences, uh, about your mom as well. Um, oh, thank
1: you. I appreciate that.
0: No, of course, absolutely, and uh, and I've been there, so I know what that's like. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, so you you take this journey through all these midwestern states and southwestern states, and make it to Russia. You make it to Australia. You decide kind of what you want to do. I'm sure there were obstacles along the way. At what point did you come back to the states and say? okay, I want to try being a writer. I want to try being an actress. And and what were some of the challenges you had to overcome and how did you overcome them?
1: Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I, there are a lot of challenges that I think are psychological challenges that everyone sort of has to hurdle in their own ways. But, um, to be totally honest, when I think about realistically what the biggest challenges were um, in pursuing a, a truly exclusively creative career, um, Primarily, those challenges have been economic. I I think um, not only is there a kind of psychology that's tied to economy, but um, it, you know, being able to give yourself permission to pursue a creative discipline as your career um, is something that is something that is not always well understood, and is something that is perceived as a gamble frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was a bit of that, but also, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't come from means in any respect. So it it was never, it was never like an easy surefire bet. This'll be a cool hobby. And if it takes off, fantastic. Um, I, I also, (laughs) I also had the, um, you know, the, the kind of pressure of, well, this has to work, or i will actually starve. So if there's there's a little bit of <laughs> of that dimension as well. Yeah, i mean, I, you know, i mean people talk about like sort of, you know, writers block is a problem. It is not the biggest problem facing creative people.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The day to day.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know. And and I, I i mean i'm so grateful to have, you know, finally to have arrived at a place where um you know, i'm 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 only working creatively. I'm only writing. I'm only filmmaking. Um, and, uh, and that can be a hard place to, to get to, um, or to believe that you will get to. And the truth is that that's a thing that that's a thing that can't be done solo. You, you really have to, you have to find your team. You have to find your people. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a whole process in itself.
0: Yeah. And, and I've heard these stories before and it typically comes up, uh, when people reach out to me about it is they have a partner and the partner isn't a creative. And that might be one of the mm. bigger mistakes. Maybe
1: <laughs>
0: I, I, I don't, I don't know, but, but they're not a creative and they, and they begin to uh, judge and try to assess your level of dedication and drive and commitment to the thing you said you wanted to do from the outside. Right.
1: So, yeah, so like, yeah.
0: Hmm, we don't have any money. I'm kind of paying this person's <laughs> way. Uh, I go to work every day and why aren't they awake yet?
1: Right. Yeah. If they right, really totally. were trying
0: to make it, wouldn't they be up at 5.00 AM like writing right now? And, well, then, like, and then that starts right, to poison yeah. the relationship.
1: <laughs> yes, that's so true. And, um, obviously the best advice for that person is get up, start writing at 5.00 AM and just like, frown a lot and like, look, you know, make it clear that this is like really hard for you. And no, I'm, I'm obviously don't do that unless you really want to, but, um, I'm fortunate to not have that particular problem because I am married to, a, to a very talented creative, but, um, I, yeah, I think I, you know, I mean, whether it's your family, whether it's your partner, whether it's, whether it's your entire time zone, I think that that's, I think that can be a difficult thing to like to grant yourself is that sense of legitimacy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, have you experienced that in your work?
0: Oh, a lot. And, and, and certainly in my background in songwriting and, and, mm-hmm. oh man, and just and writing in general, um, you know, there was a time where I spent, I think two years trying to write a screenplay with a friend and we just decided it wasn't going to work. Wow. Wow. And so, and, and once you do that, then everyone around you has lost confidence that you can produce anything. Right. Right. Um, right. And, and of course I was doing more than one thing during that two years, but that was a project that just didn't happen. So it's, and, and less for me, but more so for that writing partner I had, um, you know, his significant other doesn't have, you know, I don't, I think it took him a long time to build back up that trust that, that,
1: mm-hmm. that
0: this was something he could accomplish. Um, so you lose that trust. Yeah. That's, yeah,
1: I, yeah, I know that's a, that's a super real problem. And I, and I think there's also a perception, you know, uh, both on the micro and macro, uh, depending on your relationships that, that work that you enjoy isn't work, you know, I I mean, there's kind of this, this mid century ethic of like, you know, suffering builds character and like, you know. You, basically that work should be something you do not enjoy. Um, but dude, I mean like, you know, creative work is fucking work. Like if you're doing it right, it is work. It is costly. It is hard. Um, it is, you know, it's sacrificial, but it, you know, I mean, if you love it, that doesn't make it less work. Um, Agreed. and I think that that's, you know, I mean, I think, I think when you partner up, I think it's important to find someone who, whether, whether they, whether they share your, um, sensibilities or not, I think, I think you at least need to partner up with someone who empathizes with that, someone who understands and respects your work. Um, because, you know, if not, I think that can be, that can be a massive, massive challenge.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and that last part I've heard many, many times where, um, to, to your partner's face, um, that person uh, agrees that it's work, but to mm-hmm. your partner's friends, it's work in, in air quotes.
1: Right. 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 Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's, so that's really, really challenging uh, for, for sure. Um, what would you say right now, now that you're sort of uh, you, you've reached um, for some the Holy grail, right? Cause, cause, <laughs> cause, cause we've asked people, what does it mean to make it? And many of them will say, uh, whether it's completely honest or not making it to them, is just being a creative and being able to pay their bills in a creative mm-hmm. way. Um, so, so now that you're there, what, what challenges are you facing right now? Like, what's the biggest hurdle?
1: Yeah. Well, um, you know, first of all, that, that model of having, having a sustainable career as a creative is, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a huge goal. That's, that's a really, really important goal. Um, and you know, for me, that's something that I'm thankful for every single day. Um, right now I feel like one of the, one of the challenges I'm facing is that, um, you know, there's, there's a point where you become aware of, look, I mean, there are things that, inspire me left and right all the time, ideas that turn me on, ideas that I could follow through on or could not follow through on. And, um, what I'm facing as a major challenge right now is trying to balance a sense of what inspires me and what the market will bear. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, certainly you don't want an awareness of the market to overshadow what what you're propelled to do but you also want to see your work made you know um so so basically like right now um you know I'm working on multiple projects and um I uh I'm I'm very grateful to be uh at a place right now where I'm also like saying no to things where I'm saying no to opportunities um but it's it's taken me a long time to figure out how to say no to things that I don't think need to be made or need to exist. Um, even though, <laughs> even though those things would be made and would exist, and that would be like really good for my bank account. But I, I do think that there's, you know, I mean, I, I think that you have to walk that tightrope always of how do I get the projects that I want to see made made um, without sacrificing a sense of integrity in my work. So, so that's, that's the thing that's on my mind constantly right now.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I that has so much wisdom in it. Uh, I wonder where that came from. I mean, were, were there people in your life, people in your creative life, friends, family, anyone who gave you any words of wisdom that you've taken with you to this day? And, um, if so, what are those things and then who said it?
1: Yeah. Well, so first of all, I mean, I, I have to shout out my mother here who just always made it feel like it was possible. Even when we were living in like bumfuck wherever, you know, places where if you like get to age 16 and aren't pregnant yet, it's an accomplishment versus like, you know, graduating with, with honors and going to do something that interests you even remotely. And, um, she always made a point to, both not pressure me and also make it feel like anything is possible. And I think as you grow up, you have to give yourself that permission Mm -hmm. at some point, you know, I mean, never stop, (laughs) never stop being a sponge for wisdom, of course. Uh, But I think if your internal compass um, is always, is always set to that sense of um, a feeling that you can do the things that you intend to do, um, and that you must do them if they are worth doing. I, I think that's really important, and that's something that thankfully was inculcated at a young age. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's also important, uh, I'm I'm finding recently and more and more every day that it's really important to monitor which voices you let into the room, you know. Mm-hmm. Um a, as you build your team, uh, it's also pretty important to turn some people away from the team. And um uh I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Paul Giamatti was playing Hamlet at Yale Rep, and so he did this, like he did this um, talkback kind of uh, event that had a lot of younger people at it. And uh, I remember this little boy raised his hand and he said, uh, "What piece of advice um, would you give to someone who wants to be an actor?" And Paul Giamatti said don't take advice. And, uh, I I mean, it's a, it's such a funny piece of like meta advice, um, and such a snotty thing to say to a young child, but, but it's such good advice. Like, like really, if if you know what you're doing, nobody fucking knows what you're doing better than you do. You you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if you write a story that is the story, nobody, nobody knows that story better than you do. You know what I mean? Like if you're a director, um, nobody sees this thing, the way that you see this thing. And that's not to say, I mean, surround yourself with a coterie of advisors by all means. Um, but you just, you can't let the random throwaway comments that people send your way. It is so easy to critique things. You just can't, you can't let every single voice through, through the sieve, you know?
0: Yeah. That's, I think we might've had one other person say that and, It's, it's the, I guess, the height of uh, irony that we sort (laughs) of, we sort of asked that question because, you know, our intent is to reach out to newer creatives that might be just starting, right. And need that little, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, pull um, uh, to be, to be pulled up by the suspender, so to speak, by someone Mm -hmm. who's been at it for a while. But I do think once you kind of know what you want your voice to be, um, then, then yeah, you have to follow your, your sort of own, sort of your own North star. And I relate it back to music production myself, where, um, I needed the advice, um, especially about craft and software Mm -hmm. in order to Mm -hmm. get the sound I already had heard in my head. Right. Because yeah. what would happen is you would have the sound you want in your head, and then it wouldn't come out that way when you put it into your car to listen back, and and you couldn't really get the sound you wanted, but you knew what you were trying to get, and you would knew it if you hit it, but you can't describe it.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. And you you have to have that sort of mechanical grounding, whatever discipline you're in, to make to make the thing happen, right? I mean, you you have to have that that kind of gritty. Um, practical subset or, or it, yeah, the music is never going to sound the way it does in your head.
0: Yeah. And once it does, then, you know, you've, you know, you've done a, uh, you've created a small miracle. It right, you really have, right. you, you, <laughs> it doesn't matter what that work does going forward or what you do with it, you will always be satisfied with it and happy. Um, yeah. once it's emoting yeah. what you were trying to emote in the, in the first place. But that does Mm -hmm. lead me down this path of craft, though. Is there anything from a craft standpoint you would tell an actor to to consider?
1: Yeah, Uh, I mean that's
0: that's maybe new. Sorry.
1: No, that's fine. No, I mean I, I, you know, it's interesting. Like I, you know, I'm I'm not acting much right now, so I don't I, I feel weird giving actors advice because I think a a lot of people find a lot of different paths. Um, I, I feel maybe a little bit more equipped to, (laughs) to give, um, perhaps naive advice in the disciplines of like writing and filmmaking, which is more of what I'm doing right now. But, um, I, I think that, um, you know, if you, if you do want to, if you do want to see your work made, you want to, you want to get it made, you want to see it happen. You have to be prepared to collaborate and, um, you know collaboration is first of all obviously 100% essential um there's no way to get things done without it but um you know you also have to see i mean there's that old piece of advice you know like kill your darlings which is good advice but you're also going to see your darlings get killed by other people like if you if you want to write a movie like do you have any idea how many people have their hands on a movie like like it's just a, like i think my my advice would be like you know hang on loosely because it's, you know, it, it can get a little, uh, yeah, it it can, it can get a little bit, um, messy, but that, that messiness can be pretty exciting too. I, I think if you can turn yourself on to collaboration super early in the process, if you can really, really like, so invite the right people into the room and then get excited about their ideas. Um, you know in in a way that says maybe these ideas are as good as mine so i'm excited about these ideas too then you could end up with something really special in the end um yeah that's what i think i i mean i think that i, I mean like do you, i've done do
0: you advise writers to to send out ndas for their work when they're trying to get eyes on it
1: you know I I don't, but I, but I think it maybe depends on who you're sending it to. Um, if it's someone you, you fully don't trust that you like met in the basement of a party one time. Yeah. I mean, maybe send an NDA. I, I think that, um, look, the truth is that, um, wherever you are in a process. So first of all, you under us copyright law, you own your thing the minute that it, exists in the universe and your name is on it. Right. So like you email someone, it's nice to have something copyrighted, but like if you email someone something, it's yours already, you're protected already. Mm -hmm. Um, if it's about an idea, you know, only you are going to be able to do that idea your way. So if you're concerned about somebody else doing your idea, your way, there's a larger problem. Than someone stealing your idea. Does that make sense?
0: I completely agree. <laughs> 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 I give I give the same advice, and, and the caveat I add is that your idea is not uh, something that is able to be. You can't copyright your idea, and you can't you can't patent it.
1: Um, yeah, and, and I, absolutely, and I think also, you know, I mean, for any great idea, like there's already so much floating around right now on any given topic in so many disciplines, it's like, now, like don't, you don't have to be first, but you do have to be best. You know, I, I think that, um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think that the, the mistake I see people making more often is that they don't send something around because they're like so afraid of something right. being corrupted, you know? Uh, when in fact that person you sent it to without an NDA, like might just have a really great fucking idea that like made your script a hundred times better, you know? Um, uh,
0: yes, yes, com- completely. And, uh, there is a there is something to be said about the paranoia of the independent creative. It's it's on full tilt. Definitely.
1: Definitely. And and, Definitely
0: I'll, and I always say that's true because the number one thing they own is their own IP.
1: Mhm. Mhm.
0: And because yeah. you, so you're really attached to your intellectual property. You're really like that is the thing that brings value in the world for you and and brings others value uh, when you're in their presence, right? So it's like Ooh, I need to protect that with every fiber of my body without realizing, you know, maybe it's not about you a little bit, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. So like maybe the reason it feels amorphous is because it is pretty amorphous. So maybe, maybe sink into that a little. Um, because the truth is every creative is going to be off, be able to offer something that other creatives are not able to offer. And that's special. And you should be proud of that. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a way of respecting other people to say that we all bring something different to the table. So the fact that that feels amorphous, um, I I think can be a positive, you know, I, I think inviting people to the party can, can really strengthen your work.
0: Totally agree with that. Um, if you had one month to teach someone how to write a screenplay, uh, what what would be the first three things you teach them?
1: Hmm. Oh, I, first of all, would love to have that month. That sounds magical. Um, I think that the first thing I would have everyone do is, uh, read. I would probably, if it's a month, if it's a month, we're going to spend a week, um, reading. It's just going to be foreplay. Um, I, I think, um, I think one thing I see happening a lot is that, and that I'm also, of course, prone to is, uh, you know, you're putting out, you're putting out, you're putting out, but if you're not taking in, then the quality of what you're putting out is, it's just, it can, it can become very detached and it can become very ungrounded and it can become very, um, under informed. I, I think that, um, whatever it is that you are into is probably the thing you're writing about. So that should also be the thing you're reading about, like whether it's, you know, you wake up and you read an Atlantic article every morning, or you are consuming entire books on the history of medicine and warfare, like whatever your, whatever your thing is, Mm -hmm. um, you, you have to take it in. So, um, that would be the first thing I would do, uh, I guess would be kind of a wax on wax off kind of situation. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And, and then, um, after that, I think um, the most important thing to do is to force yourself to write. Um, it is work. Um, if it's not a hobby for you, um, don't wait for the lightning bolt. Just sit down and do it. Um, and uh, and I know I was I was joking earlier, but some of the best writing actually does happen immediately after waking up. I have mm-hmm. personally found so. I think um, if you can if you can treat your creative work a little bit more like you have to be the first person to treat it like a job, basically. And that can mean whatever you want it to mean. But um, it's imperative that you treat it with discipline. So um, I think that uh, just just full on writing is sort of the second thing. And then I think detaching yourself from distraction can be a really important part of that. I'm so, really into that um, mindset
0: right there, that, that idea yeah. that you have to treat it like a job first if you expect other people to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so, you know, um, and, uh, you know, you won't always do good work, right? I mean, some days are better than others, but like if you, if you work, like you will have something to show for your work, right. Um, it's, it's science, you know, if you sit down and work, you will have something (laughs) like it's, (laughs) you are moving the boulder. Um, so, (laughs) so that's, so that's what I think, um, is that I would probably run a pretty, a pretty workman like show. Um, Yeah. And then I think, you know, again, I think the third thing is letting people into the room and letting the right people into the room, because I think collaboration is essential. And, you know, one thing, you know, screenwriting often feels like a very private task because, um, I mean, really it's just you and your laptop and your screenwriting software. And you may think that that's it, but to be perfectly honest, like, I think the most important aspect of screenwriting is letting the right people in early, So that you can get the project in the best possible shape, not only to be made, but also, but also so that you are, um, so that you're helming the ship in a way that has already let other people in. Because if you want to create work that like you see on a big screen, um, you know, it's a, it's a real rush, but you will feel detached from it. If you have just created this thing and then you very like sort of nervously let it out into the world. Um, if you think of it as a party that you're hosting, you'll be fine, mm. you know?
0: Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's so important. And, and um, I think about that, uh, I could, you actually speak visually as well. And you mentioned, <laughs> you know, you're moving that boulder and it just made me think to myself, I wonder I, I'm curious what your Archimedes lever is. So, so you have to <laughs> you have to move that boulder. Uh, are there what? What are some of these tools and resources? Like what? Are, what are some of the new things? Maybe even that you're using to make moving that boulder easier.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, start using the internet for what it's for. I say, um, which is, it is just an endless endless resource for knowledge. I, I just, um, I don't know how I would do anything that I do without, um, without educational resources on the internet. Um, I mean, and certainly, you know, um, you know, porn is fun. Great. But like, but like go to the internet and like, go to the encyclopedias on the internet, like go, go to, um, NCBI, if you're looking for medical information, go to, um, IMDB. If you're looking for resources, if you have a meeting coming up and you need to research someone like you, you can find any information that you need. There is no excuse to drag your heels when it comes to the toolbox that you need to get things done. Um, so yeah, I mean like practically, uh, in an analog sense, you know, create great habits, eat well, sleep well, surround yourself with the right people, but like, you know, most of the work you are doing is probably being done digitally, regardless of what discipline you're in. Um, or, you know, at least one, one is probably open to that at this point historically. So I I think avail yourself of those digital resources.
0: How often do you have to remind yourself that research isn't writing?
1: Um, that's a really, really good question. Um, I, I don't, you know, for me, they're actually pretty integrated sometimes. Um, I, 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 yeah, and I, I don't know how, um, that's not a good piece of advice because I actually do believe they're extremely different things, but, um, I, I get pretty excited about writing, but I also am pretty turned on by research, like to discover something that, um, I didn't know before and how it works and sort of like discover connections, you know, um, historically, like I just, I just finished writing a play that had a reading at Chicago Dramatists a few weeks ago that, um, is set in 1980 and it's a very anachronistic 1980, but it required a lot of work to kind of get the pieces to fit together. And, um, that to me was almost like the most fun part because you're writing and you're like, I get to put something here and I don't know what it is yet, but let me find it. I will find it, you know. Mm. Um, and in a way, that's its own form of collaboration. Um, so I think, I think that can be a fun part of writing. You just have to be um, aware of not going off the rails. <laughs>
0: Right. And and the thing I I absolutely love about research is it feels like studying history to me. And I think there's so oh much goodness, human yes. history out there that that you can't actually, like, like there aren't enough people to research the history that exists. So you're always on the verge of finding the next secret.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you become your own private library, right? Like, you know, I mean, depending on the projects you're working on, like like, I'm now an expert on gay clubs in Manhattan in 1980. And also (laughs) like the emergence of cryptocurrency. Do you know what I mean? Like that, it just depends on like, what, what are you working on? Like, what is your thing? And I, yeah, I mean, I love, I love that dimension of the work.
0: That's an amazing thing to be an expert on Amanda.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's important. I think people need to carry that into the future. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. Tell me who you admire, Amanda. Um, I know you admire Joshua, but who, <laughs> who do you admire? You,
1: you're going to interview him for this, right? You're going to, you guys are going to connect at some point, right?
0: He's, he's the best. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to, so I'm, I'm hoping to touch base the- with him and um, his feedback and, and um, sort of uh, um, just his timbre and response when I was listening back to the original one, I thought was, was pretty incredible. So I can't wait. And, and um, he's a brilliant guy. Um. Yeah. from, from all, uh, from all accounts I have. So, um, but yes, outside of, uh, uh, your husband there, um, <laughs> uh, is there anybody that you looked up to and said, gosh, if, if I could act like them, if I could write like them, if I could make a film like them and who mm. is that and, and what do they do from a skill and technical standpoint, in your opinion, that makes them stand apart?
1: Yeah, that, I mean that's such that's such a good question, and I mean you're referring to a canon that I am hopefully adding to constantly. Um, you know, I mean, from a filmmaking standpoint, there are a lot of filmmakers I I obviously really really love, um, and and I think we're at a I think we're at an important moment historically where female filmmakers are getting a little bit more attention, um, and uh, you know, obviously that's not. <laughs> the boat is not tilting too far in that direction, but we are finally, we're finally paying attention to people we should have all along. Um, this is probably, this is probably going to be dated by the time the, the um, podcast comes out, but um, watching um, Lynn Ramsey's most recent film, um, I think she's a really phenomenal filmmaker um, that I was, that I've been inspired by, um, you know, um, both because I think she's, I think she's an exceptional director, but also she understands tone and she understands violence. And I think she's exploring arenas that female filmmakers don't always, um, gravitate toward and are not always invited to. Um, but I mean, she's fucking done it. Um, I, I uh, the, the film, by the way, that I would encourage everyone to see, um, if they can stomach it is, uh, you were never really here, which, um, you know, I think that, um, I think she grasps a unity of visuals and sound and specificity. And I think that she knows her way around character in a way that is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, One, one thing that I, I tend to have in all of my work and, um, I I think that, I think that violence can be a way of exploring the extremis of human experience and that cinema can be a safe place to do that. And, um, another one of the people who, who I really admire is, um, uh, a director that I met, um, when I was in college and then who directed, uh, my husband and myself in the production of a Midsummer Night's dream where we met opposite one another. And, um, I know it's like a really cute story, but, um, (laughs) yeah. Um, but the, uh, the director is Mark Lewis. He also, he also married us. Like it's really, there's a whole circle thing there, but Oh yeah, no, he's, he's the real deal. He's, um, he, he was, uh, he was a soap star like back in the, like back in the day, like, um, I don't know if like soaps had just come out or anything, but he was like the eighties. And, uh, and then he, um, became, uh, he was acting in New York for many years, mostly theater. He became an educator and he's, he's adopted. Um, he, I don't know how many children he's even on now. I think he's adopted seven, um, seven, uh, daughters, um, China, Swahili, like, like basically he's, 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 uh, he's adopting, um, basically at risk babies from around the world, um, in the way that most people, like, I, I just, I, I, don't know anyone like it. Like he's living a personal life that is phenomenal, but, um, he directed a production that I was in of Hamlet and, uh, it was an all, all women Hamlet Interesting, and, yeah he was, um, it was, it was an incredible, incredible play. And, um, he was really, uh, preoccupied with this idea of feminine explorations of violence, which are very rarely treated in any kind of media. Um, and, and so, you know, he's someone whose work I really personally admire, but also someone I just consider to be wise. And also he is, um, yeah. And also just a a person who's living a, a life that I respect very much.
0: Those were some incredible answers in the, in the sort of background <laughs> as well. And look, I mean, the adoption thing touches me. I'm, I'm the child of, of, uh, an adopted father who, mm-hmm. um, was in, was in an orphanage. So, so, um, without, uh, my grandfather that lives here, my adopted grandfather, I would not be here. Um, and it, it was all very much chance for me. And, um, it actually helps, helps me with gratitude, uh, quite a bit because, um, just knowing that there are so many circumstances that predated me that had to happen yeah. just as they happened for me to even exist. And so, yeah. um, whenever I do hear stories about that, uh, it's no small thing. Like you've literally created a chasm in the life of those children in, a, in the most positive way possible because their outcome is going to go. One hundred and eighty degrees in the other direction, most likely.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I and I think that that um, that kind of generosity in giving other people opportunities, um, you know, I mean, children and also any other just just other people in general um, to to look for ways of making other people's lives one hundred and eighty degrees better is just I, I mean, you know, adoption is obviously perhaps the best example of that. Right. But, Mm -hmm. um, but I think that to live in such a way that you are actively seeking out, um, opportunities to create opportunities is so important.
0: Yeah. And I was reminded of, um, something, a friend of mine that lives in California, was saying to me, was a little, he's sort of nostalgic and reminiscing on growing up in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Talking about how there's not a prettier sunset than a New Mexico sunset, and um, he was just saying that how interesting it is that uh, the people who uh, have the least tend to give the most. And and, and, and I know that was contextual for him because he was probably just in a situation around a lot of people who have plenty in California, but seem to be uh, not giving back a little bit. So it is it's it's great to hear these stories. Um, Yeah, I know you Mm. touched on it a little bit uh, before, but specifically um, you went macro on me. You said like the Internet, but. Is there any specific place you go, you go on the internet, um, um, to, to help you with your work?
1: Yeah, right. No. Yeah. Use the internet. This is like a podcast from 1994. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I do. I, I mean, I think there are different applications, obviously. Um, I think that if you are active in the industry, um, look, I'll be honest. I think it's too expensive and the interface is not optimal, but IMDB pro can be a pretty fantastic resource for finding out everything you need to know about people that you're meeting with people whose work you love. Um, I mean, I think it's indispensable if you're like running around on generals or, you know, doing, doing whatever it is that is, um, is in the industry in terms of like actual like in the moment filmmaking. Like you, you want to know everything you possibly can about um, everyone that you are meeting. Um, Facebook is fine, but like I am, IMDb for the industry. If you're if you're in any way connected to filmmaking, what um, are you
0: using for screenwriting right now?
1: For screenwriting, I'm um, I'm using Final Draft. I'm using the latest version of Final Draft, which is a program that. I mean, I, I, I love it personally. Um, I mean, I think it's in many ways the industry standard. Um, uh, I've been fortunate enough to beta test for them in the past. And, um, well, I can't really talk about that. They are working on some super exciting things and, um, yeah, the folks over at final draft are just really cool and they, um, they have a lot, they have a lot going on and, and, uh, 11 is out now, which is, um, excellent software. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I recommend it. I mean, I think there are some other I think there are some other really good resources out there right now. Like if you can't afford final draft, um, writer duet is not at all bad. And because it's um because it's cloud-based, that can be a really nice resource for people who are screenwriting. Um, Highland, there is a free version. Um, and it's otherwise still extraordinarily affordable and a very intuitive software platform. I think that's a great option as well. Um, yeah, I think Celtics maybe has an online one now too, but, um, yeah, I like final draft. And then, um, I think Highland is, uh, also terrific and, uh, writer draft, uh, excuse me, writer duet will not, um, will not hurt anything on your project as well.
0: And I'll throw in another one, uh, which is fade in. So fade in is the one I
1: use. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Um, right. Yeah. It's and and I found it to be
0: really good and very affordable as well. I think it's about 50 bucks or something like that. So yeah, that's a good deal. I've used writer duet. I've used Celtics. They're, they're both good, but they both have shortcomings and a uh, full disclosure. I, I definitely have final draft as well. Um, <laughs> my only beef with final draft is that it, 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 there is a lot going on, but I will yes. concede that it's the, the industry standard. Um, uh, and I've heard
1: such good things about, I've heard such good things about Faden. That is such a good one to mention. And also I'm so happy to now know that it's pronounced Celtics and not Celtics because no one t- talks about these things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's, it's supposed to be like Celtic, you know what I mean? Like a, so I just, cause I could be wrong again. I told you at the beginning of this thing, it is not uncommon for me to be wrong. Well, but we'll I, drop
1: but, the winner of this dispute into the show notes, right?
0: Okay, That's right. I'll have right. to like, like call up their their VP of marketing and find out how to pronounce this thing. Um, uh, yes. But, but I, I stepped on you. You were about to say another place uh, besides uh, IMDb Pro?
1: Oh, um, yeah. Okay. So let me think this through. Oh, oh, okay. So also, look, I mean, social media is what it is. We could have an entire conversation exclusively about that. But, um, if you are, if, again, this is just sort of a, as a supplement to IMDb pro, if you are researching people that you are meeting with or would like to meet with or working with, um, uh, particularly in a filmmaking context, um, avail yourself of every resource at your disposal in terms of social media, you know what I mean? Like find out who these people are and, and, and what it is that they do, um, Because the truth is that projects emerge from people who share the same interests and passions and objectives, and there's no better way to learn about that than to, you know, be informed of, um, what interests you might share with people you might be, might be meeting with. Um, I, I, you know, in terms of the internet, like the things that I, um, am constantly going to resource wise are, um, honestly, like, I I think that, I think that educational resources online are so, 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 so important. Um, and if you're, if you're a filmmaker, um, I, I mean, basically the options are almost endless in terms of what's available online to kind of teach you your craft. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a few. Um, I mean, obviously you can just go to like YouTube and poke around, but, um, there are, um, like no film school is a good example of a website that has, um, you know, some good cinematic technique tutorials. Um, I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to think, um, basically, I mean, whatever, like, I know it's like really shitty advice, but like go online and Google what you're looking to learn and you will you will find what it is. Um, I think, I'd, like John August's website is really strong. If you're looking for screenwriting I'll, question I'll love, answers,
0: love website. I love the design of it. I love. Um, I'm a big John August fan.
1: Yeah, he's he's a really cool dude. And he definitely know what's he knows what's up. And um, it's really, really easy to find answers to your practical questions, both like in the world of screenwriting. And also, like, I don't know how to format uh, a letter in my screenplay. And like, so you just go to his website, and he has told people how to do that before. And yeah, I I think that, um, yeah, JohnAugust.com amazing resource. And he's also, I think I've never tweeted him, but he's apparently fairly responsive on Twitter. So, yep. um, yeah, yeah. He's on but, Twitter
0: a lot. And, um, I actually bought his children's book, um, oh from my, my youngest God. daughter and, uh, she loves that's it so, so far. So kudos to him.
1: So sweet. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> there you
0: go. So, so it, that's a nice segue though, into where we can find you on social media and on the internet.
1: Oh yeah. Um, well, full disclosure, I'm not super active on social media, but I do really love the vanity rush of being friended and followed. Um, I, (laughs) I love it very much. Um, so I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter. Um, I am on Instagram. Almost everything can be found under either AJ Bermudez or Amanda J Bermudez. Uh, and my website is Amanda J Bermudez.com. Uh, you won't, uh, Jean J E A N. Yes. Right. The, uh, the jewel of glamorous names, yeah. Um, no, I <laughs> <laughs> I know. Do you know anyone named Jean? When I found out about Jean Grey as a child, it changed my life. It changed my life completely because I thought Jean was like a really uncool, like southern name. And then I found out about Jean Grey and um, I, it, really, it really turned me around on Jean. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I like it. I've got no <laughs> with Jean.
1: Good. Yeah, good. Yeah, Thank you. Good to go. I've I just always, I've, just,
0: I've just always wanted to know. So now I know. I feel so satiated by it.
1: <laughs> what's, what's,
0: your, what's your middle name, Chris? Oh, man. So I have two middle names. Um, go on. So Adonis Dante. Oh, my goodness. So my mom wanted to name me Adonis, which is the god of love. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. my dad wanted to name me Dante. So D-A-N-T-E. So mm-hmm. Dante's mm-hmm. Inferno. I think. And, uh, instead of fighting, they did what all great couples do. They were married for a long time. And, um, before my mom passed away and they just gave me both of them. And yes. so I had both. And I believe, uh, I'm Chris is the most common name, maybe in history, but I'm named specifically after Christopher Reeve.
1: Uh, are you really, is that true?
0: It oh is true. It, it is true. And, uh, I thought it was because of his role in Superman, but it was that he he was in soaps before Superman, and my mom thought he that's was. Right. uh, I don't know what did they call it in the seventies, like a beefcake.
1: Oh yeah, beefcake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So totally. like my mom's was Bert Reynolds, but yeah, no. Every mom's got a beefcake. That's for sure. Yeah, oh my god, that's so funny. Reeves, so yeah.
0: so I'm named after was Superman. Was a beefcake. To be the fair. God of Love and an amazing writer. So. <laughs>
1: That's a, that's a super epic name, dude. That's like the most epic.
0: I <laughs> know. Uh-huh. I went trifecta on you.
1: <laughs> yeah, in both in both quantity and quality, your names are the best.
0: There you go. You asked for it. <laughs>
1: Amazing. You did not disappoint.
0: Oh, well, Amanda, I'm going to uh, send everyone your way on social media so you get all the, all the vanity and ego strokes you need. Uh, to keep pushing on because we, because we need you to succeed. We need to see more of your art out in the world and more of your work. And, um, I wish you the best of luck. I know you don't need it, but, uh, I I can't thank you enough for doing this and, um, um, continue success to you. Thank you so much, Chris. All right. I'm going to talk to you soon and hopefully see you in in LA and, uh, tell Josh to call me.
1: I will. I'm excited to see you in LA soon.
0: All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find more information on this week's creative, including links to their projects, social media, and transcripts of this interview, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film podcast. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore bonsai creative and on facebook by searching for bonsai creative and of course if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success go to www.bonsai.film and click on show me how to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment you have everything to gain until next time be better be creative be engaged